Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Nuggets. I am your host, Asher Levy, as always, joined by my co-host, uh, Gage Bridgeford. How you doing today, man? Uh, doing well. Glad to be back uh, talking NBA. Glad to be talking Nuggets. Uh, glad that the Nuggets didn't completely set on their hands at the deadline, so we have some things to talk about. Yeah, that we do. Uh, there were a few trades uh, made. There have been a, There's been a signing made. There's lots to get into. So I think it's best if we just dive right in uh, with what would have been uh, we can talk about the bones stuff first. Cause I feel like that's probably going to take the longest. Uh, the last time we recorded there, there were rumors that bones was available for trade that, you know, he wanted out yada, yada. Um, I don't think anyone kind of re like, it feels like it came up really quickly, uh, how much this stuff, uh, like escalated, you know, like it, it ramped up fairly quickly from, uh, Bones has kind of been not great. Maybe we trade him at the deadline to Bones wants out. The Nuggets want to trade him, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been a few articles written on it now from Singer and Mark Stein detailing kind of the ramp up of that situation. But just initially, what was your reaction to the ramp up from the Bones saga or whatever you want to call it? just the continued escalation of uh, the trade rumors. I mean, I wasn't at all surprised. Uh, I felt that Denver did a, honestly, a really bad job of making it clear what their plan was with him. Um, or in terms of like trying to hide it from other teams, uh, there was like bones more or less just wasn't playing. And it became clear that they weren't playing him because he didn't want to play or well, he wasn't happy with his role, and they weren't going to force him to play, especially because they knew they were planning on trading him. And that's ultimately why they didn't get uh, more than two second-round picks for a guy that still has three years of team control left on his deal. Yeah. Because I, 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 I saw everyone. Like, for one, I think that there are people, specifically in Denver circles, that overrated Bones a little bit. I've made it quite clear of the last year year and a half i've not been the biggest bones fan i think he's got talent but i've just not been the biggest bones fan it's just how it is and the reason and people are like how did you only get two picks denver got fleeced it's denver knew he was gone they were trading him no matter what the whole that last minute that report that came out the morning of the trade deadline of denver's willing to hold on to bones highland no they weren't no, they weren't. They were never going to be okay with keeping him because he didn't want to be there, and it was just going to be worse. And the rest of the off, and the rest of the season was going to be terrible. Even if he like, if because I mean, 
you're not going to bench him. If you if you do miraculously decide to keep him, you're not going to bench him. You're going to have to play him again. And his his play is not going to change overnight. It's just not. We've seen for a year and a half, Bones is largely going to play how he plays. So now you have this last-minute report coming out of, oh, we're going to try and keep him. No, you're trying to drum up any bit of trade value that you can get. And you're not going to get any. And that's why you got two second-round picks from the Clippers in three or three years and four years, whatever. That's, so that's why when that happened, I was like, I'm not stunned at all. I think anybody that is stunned just wasn't paying attention. And it makes sense. Denver doesn't get covered nationally at all. And so the Bones thing probably went under the radar. People, people just wanted to be like, oh, Denver got fleeced. It's like Denver, got, Denver fleeced themselves when they took Bones out of the rotation and then stopped playing and just stopped playing him altogether. Once that happened, his trade value was in the tank. The rest of the league knew it, and all they had to do was wait until the trade deadline was an hour away, and they were going to be able to get Bones for whatever they wanted. Yep. I think, like, it initially started with Bones leaving the bench uh, against, I think it was the Thunder, um, where he just kind of left the bench because he wasn't happy that he didn't get the playing time he wanted. and. At that point, that was as been it's been reported that that was sort of the point of no return uh, by Mike Singer of the Denver Post, Mark Stein uh, as well. And I think that that was very clearly an indicator that things were going south and it was likely going to result in a trade. But I think the front office didn't do a good enough job of keeping uh, his trade value up. They uh, him. Uh, the coaches didn't play him in like five consecutive games when Peyton Watson was getting minutes, like the two way guys were getting minutes and it was very clear bones is going to be traded and people in Denver were talking about maybe trading him for Jalen McDaniel or Jaden McDaniels or Jalen McDaniels or, you know, a litany of uh, players. Cause it was reported that the nuggets were looking for a two way player with team control and a first round pick for bones they got neither of those things in the end because of how the situation was handled i think like there's not much you maybe could have done if it was bones leaking you know oh he's unhappy oh yada yada like if that was bones's camp leaking that there's not a ton you can do about that uh really but you you i think they just handled it really poorly uh because as you mentioned the return they got was i think a 2026 and a 2025 second from the clippers or something like that yep 2025 um, and 2026 second round picks just yep. absolute bounty of a haul yeah and for a player who while i'm not personally the biggest uh, I don't think right now he's really a contributor for a contender. I think he definitely has upside. He has a lot of talent. He has potential. It's just that his play style right now is not conducive to what the Nuggets were trying to do. And he probably should be in a situation in which he can grow uh, with the ball in his hands. But that's not really what Denver needs at the moment. And it's not like he wasn't getting the ball in his hands here, he has the highest usage percentage on the team. He he has a higher usage rate than uh, Nikola Jokic. He was 
he was the bench basically as far as the offensive end of things goes and it's not really a wonder as to why the bench has been better lately it's because bones a lot of the time just either couldn't finish at the rim or would put up a contested deep three and when those shots go in they're big shots they can shift the momentum of a game and he like won a playoff game last year for the Nuggets. He really shifted the momentum in that one game where he hit three consecutive 30-footers. But for every game in which there's that momentum shift, there's multiple games in which he shoots uh, you into a deficit. And that's fine if you're on the Houston Rockets, if you're on the Detroit Pistons, if you're on you know a, a, bo- a bad team. But the Nuggets are not a bad team. The Nuggets are... 40 and 18 they're the number one seed in the west by five games or so and it was clear that bones just wasn't part of that plan you know and that's fine if you're going to trade a young player that's well and good you know it's a business uh things like this happen but the way that the media cycle went with all these rumors it was clear to other teams that they didn't probably have to give much for bones. And that's why you end up with two second round picks from the Clippers, which are probably going to be late second round picks. I'm not a fan of the return they got, but I understand trading him. I probably would have traded him too. Uh, just things in the locker room don't look like they were going super well uh, between bones. Uh, him and Jamal have said on social media that they're both chill with each other, but in press conferences and, you know, other things, it there's obviously some tension between the two, or at least that's been reported. So I just, uh, it was going to happen, but I don't think that this is the outcome that anyone wanted. Yeah. No, um, like I said, you didn't, they didn't want to trade bones, but they had to trade bones. It was one of those, the relationship was soured. They needed to go their own separate ways, and it was a matter of trying to get as much as you could for him. Uh, also, I was just kind of curious, so I went and I looked. Uh, if you had to guess, removing all players with fewer than 10 games played, where did Bones rank in usage percentage? So this is all players in the NBA, and the, I removed everybody in front of them that has fewer than 10 games played because there's a couple of guys with like one game where they played one minute and just took a shot, so that way so it messed up the percentage. Sure. Um as fourth maybe like I, I i assume he's pretty high up there not not that high he's 30th because there are a bunch of guys like uh luca Giannis, Embiid, yeah ja, all those guys crazy high mm-hmm. up but in terms of uh but he's he's 30th if you remove all guys with um if you remove all the guys with fewer than 10 games and then even Cade cunningham's in front of him with 12 games played but mm-hmm. the thing is all the guys in front of him, it's, like I said, I mentioned those five guys, Giannis, Luka, Embiid, Ja, LeBron, Trey Young, Lillard, Tatum, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Dwayne Washington at, has a weirdly high usage rate. Uh, Devin Booker, Katie. If you didn't notice, all those guys are like all-stars, multi-time all-stars, most improved player winner, all, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then there's Bones Highland. There's a slight difference there. Yeah. Like you can use all those possessions, but there's a difference in who's using them and who's not. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think that 
the the bones thing was just a we're gonna have to move him and they had to move him for something and something tells me that clipper package was the best they could get they didn't they probably didn't want to trade him within the conference they probably wanted to trade him for they didn't want to trade him to a team that is going to go to the playoffs but no one else was going to give him anything and so they just had to they had to ship him out because that was what it was going to be mm-hmm. so uh all the best to bones um the future uh never wish anything bad on anybody so all the best to him and what do you say we get into some nuggets that are currently on the nuggets talk sure let's uh the first trade that was made of the day was to acquire a uh, new Denver Nugget, Thomas Bryant from the Lakers. This was for Davon Reed and three second round picks, I think from 2025, 2026, and 2029, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm a fan of this one. I think it's a pretty solid trade. You trade Devon Reed, who was not playing for the Nuggets, and three second round picks for a better backup center than someone on the roster right now. They were wavering between Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan. I think Thomas Bryant is probably better than both of them. I think there are some cases in which you play Zeke Naji over Thomas Bryant just for you know defense defensive purposes. Uh, but he's a really, really good role man. Uh, he is someone who is shooting... 44% from three, I think, and like 60-something percent from the field. He's leading the league in true shooting percentage, I think, with 71.2, if I'm remembering that correct. Uh, and he looked really solid in his first game with the Nuggets, uh, his first like actual minutes in, in a meaningful game uh, last night uh, against the Heat. And... I think he's someone that you can play and he'll produce for you, which you couldn't really say about DeAndre Jordan and Zeke Naji is a bit more inconsistent. I will say you were right. Thomas Bryant does lead the NBA uh, in true shooting at 71.2%. Uh, he, as somebody that I've watched Thomas Bryant for several years now because he was at IU when I was there. I got to watch him both seasons that he was in college, and the one knock that I have on Bryant that has never gone away is he's a very, and this is, like, it's going to sound weird that this is a knock. He's a very effort-based player. When he is, when he, his effort is in and he's got his head, like, his head on because he his head can get a little, like, if a call doesn't go his way or something like that, and you, any, anybody watching will see it. There will be times where if, if a call doesn't go his way, it can take him out of the game and then it can take a few minutes for his momentum to come back and for him to lock himself back in. But when he's playing hard and locked into the game, he can be a very, very effective backup big for you. And when you have him as your backup big to instead of DeAndre Jordan or, as you mentioned, Zeke Naji, that's a very different dynamic because now you have a big who you can count on to be not like you're maybe not going to run your offense through him, but you can run possessions to for him and that, and it's not completely, it's not going to just completely fall apart. Like if you told me, Hey, we're going to run five possessions a game for Deandre Jordan on the block. I would be terrified. But Thomas Bryant, if you give him five possessions 
a game to post up or pick and rolls designed for him or whatever, I don't hate that at all. I think he is more than serviceable in that area, and that's all you need him to do. You don't need him to be a star. You need him to be a serviceable backup big to keep Jokic fresh, and that's exactly what he gives you. Yeah, I I'm, I agree. I think there may be some issues when the playoffs come around just because he's lacking as a defender. Uh, he's just not really a good defender, never has been. Uh, but I think the offensive punch that he can provide makes up for that uh, deficiency. You know, I think you take what you can get because it's not like the Nuggets bench defense was super good beforehand. Like there are units that they can run for good defense like if they need to make a defensive sub Zeke Naji's right there you know he's still on the roster he's still good um in in spots like if you wanted to run a defensive lineup you could run Bruce Brown Christian Brown KCP Vlatko and Zeke but if you need a, a bucket and Jokic you know needs a rest Thomas Bryan isn't a bad option and he will get them through, you know, uh, the regular season and likely some playoff matchups. Yeah, and here's the other thing. You mentioned that his defense leaves something to be desired. I agree, but at the same time, that's not that big of an issue in the playoffs because most teams in, in the West and just in the NBA in general don't have, like, two elite or two really good centers. Most teams just in the modern NBA have... If they have a good center, they have one good center, and then they have a center that soaks up minutes. Like So Thomas Bryant, it, it's not like he's going to go up against Embiid or Anthony Davis mo- most nights. Like If you get to the playoffs and you're up against like the Lakers and Anthony Davis, Bryant will have to go up against AD a couple of times, but more often than not, that'll be Jokic versus AD. So you're not that worried about it. And if Bryant's playing, let's say they match up against the Lakers in the playoffs just for hypothetical the backup center on the lakers is wenyan gabriel i believe and i don't even know who their other backup center is now damian jones maybe um just they could play vanderbilt there okay and vanderbilt doesn't scare you at all on offense yeah so there you go so there you go like yeah his defense leaves something to be desired and that has always been the case with him Uh, i would like it to take a step forward just especially now that he's on the nuggets but I'm not going to complain about getting to watch an IU player play uh, for the team that I cover in the NBA. Additionally, um, Devon Reed, like if you're like you're trading him, I like Devon when he was there last when he was with the team last year. I just felt like he never got his footing under him this year, and uh, it seemed like a move again, just like the bones trade. It was a move that was the best for both sides. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, the final acquisition of this deadline is going to come on the buyout market. Uh, The Nuggets are expected to sign Reggie Jackson once he clears waivers uh, after being bought out by the Hornets uh, who acquired him in a trade for Mason Plumlee. I think that that's a fine signing. I don't think he's going to win you many games, but I also think that like, if you need a bones approximation, Reggie Jackson's probably better than Bones right now. He's definitely a better defender, not like an elite defender or anything, but like better than Bones. And he's had really good playoff runs before, specifically the 2021 playoffs, uh, if I'm remembering that year correctly, where he just 
looked like an all-star guard in the playoffs for no reason. Yeah, he um, shot 48% from the floor after yeah. shooting in that regular season he had shot uh 45%. So he went up 30 so he went up 3% uh from the floor. His three-point percentage did take a dip, although he was averaging three more attempts per game in the playoffs from three-point range, mm-hmm. averaging 17.8 points per game compared to 10.7 in the regular season. So, yeah, he just took a step up everywhere. Yeah, and, like, I don't expect that sort of production from him in the postseason, but he is a veteran. He's done this before, and if you need a bench ball handler, he's probably the best one there was on the open market. Uh, like there was Patrick Beverly, uh, Danny green is another buyout guy, but those players don't really fit what the nuggets needed and they needed to get another ball handler so that their point guard depth wasn't ish Smith and only ish Smith, uh, because Jamal Murray has missed a few games with like right knee inflammation, which is not the injured knee, but like Jamal has had a lot of load on him lately due to uh, his bench minutes and just how many minutes he's been playing in general. And he's definitely been like the hottest uh, shooting we've seen from him this season. He looks like he's fully back uh, on offense, but you know, he is still coming off an ACL tear. You do want to give him some breaks where you can. Reggie Jackson is a pretty good approximation. If you need someone to start for Jamal Murray, you know, if you need a bench ball handler, he's there, he's available. And that's really all you need from a buyout guy. Like no buyout guys are really going to make a huge difference on a championship run. But as far as buyout market guys go, this is a pretty solid one. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't hate the move at all. I think that I felt they could have done a lot worse. Uh, the main thing with Reggie is just as long as he just stays within his role and doesn't try and do too much, I think that'll go a long way towards his success. I think that the second unit has a lot of good talent on it. It's just needed that guard that can kind of bring everything together. Uh, I thought Bones was I thought Bones was always more of a two-guard playing point guard. Uh, that was always my belief of him. I felt that Bones would have been a better player, but that at the same time, he wasn't a great off-ball guard. That's like he, I think a lot of his minutes being good with Jokic on the floor was just the Jokic is Jokic and he elevates his minutes but I think mm-hmm. Reggie can be the guy that kind of brings everybody together uh, yeah. one other option that was out there was I mean Alfred Payton I'm not sure if there's any like if he's dealing with any injuries or anything but he's available he hasn't been in the NBA for a while he's a little younger than Reggie is but doesn't have near the playoff experience although he was uh he did play in a couple games with Phoenix uh in the 2021-2022 playoffs so that would have been uh last year so, I think of the name, the guys that were available, Reggie Jackson was probably the best option. And as just a guard off the bench, you could definitely have done a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, the And that covers, like, all of the Nuggets moves this deadline. However, this was a very eventful deadline uh, just for uh, the West as a whole. Uh, Kyrie is now a Dallas Maverick. Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun. Uh, there's, you know, the Clippers got a lot of good depth. Uh, the Lakers made a move for D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. That makes them better. Uh, the Warriors got Gary Payton the second back. Uh, like, there are a lot of moves that were made in which I think Denver could have hopped in 
and beaten offer. Like Jalen McDaniels went to the Sixers for two second round picks. Uh, the Nuggets could have matched that or beat that. Uh, and Jalen McDaniels would have been a, a very welcome addition in the rotation. But also, you don't want to shake up too much uh, if you are the Nuggets. You're the best uh, team in the conference by five games. And they did get better. It was just like 5% better as opposed to some other teams getting like 30% better. Or in the case of the Suns, like 50% better. Um, I don't think the Suns got 50% better. It's Yeah, that's just like... A number like they got significantly better though i i think I, yes and no they are a team with two of their four best players are older and have dealt with injuries and then their other like their second best player has been dealing with injuries all year and you now have no depth at all if they stay if they stay healthy sure great but they are a very, very fragile glass cannon. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And also, uh, for those I, of you that don't play any video games, glass cannon just means like you put out a lot of damage, but you're very, you're you're very weak in terms of overall health. And yeah, so that's I think that the Suns, yeah, they have firepower if everybody's healthy. But if mm-hmm. anybody goes down, like they're starting Josh Okogi at small forward. That's where they're at right now. And I understand Kevin Durant's hurt, but I think even when Kevin Durant comes back. They're going to be starting. Either it'll be either Okogi or their third, or they'll be starting Tory Craig. So one of those two guys is going to be in your starting five, and I think if that's your starting five, like that's your fifth starter, that is a very weak fifth starter right now. I mean, I I agree with like their depth is lacking, and health issues are definitely a concern with them. But I I think the depth thing was there before. Like they just exchanged McCall Bridges and Cameron Johnson for KD and TJ Warren in their rotation. Like they're just taking the spots of those two players. So they weren't, they didn't have a ton of depth beforehand. I, but I think they got far more dangerous now. I get that. I just, I look at, I was mainly looking at just the guys that they're trading away compared to the guys that they're getting back. And like TJ Warren has also not exactly been the healthiest of players. Like, there was mm-hmm. I there was the stretch in the bubble where everyone thought TJ Warren was gonna finally break out and gonna be the next guy, and then he came back the next year and he looked great, mm-hmm. and then he got hurt, and then he's been hurt off and on ever since. And yeah, I like I just I like I think that the Suns did get better. Not gonna deny that, but I also just I don't think they got nearly as good as other people are making them out to be. I. I'm just going to agree to disagree with that one. Uh, Perfectly fine. I, yeah. I think that that's a fair point of view, but also I, they added KD like Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Oh, I'm not uh, denying that. I yeah. like KD is good. KD is definitely yeah. an upgrade over Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, I think we have the same like point of view. We just have different, you know, perspectives on it, but like, I just think this was kind of a disappointing deadline for the Nuggets because of the lacking return for Bones. Uh, and, like, the only notable move they made was to get Thomas Bryant, um, which does make them better. It just doesn't make them as, as – it didn't improve them as much as other teams did improve at the deadline. 
but also other teams were playing catch up to the Nuggets. So I still think they are the best team in the Western Conference, especially considering even the teams who did get better only have like 20 or so games left to really gel together. Um, I still think they're, they should be considered the favorites to come out of the West, but it is just kind of a, you know, little, little footnote of things. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Uh, there's a, it's the classic, everybody's swinging at the crown and the crown's like, I don't really need to make the big moves that everybody else is making. Like what we have is working and Mm -hmm. it's up to you guys to come knock the crown off my head. It's not up to me. It's not up to me to just like hold the crown onto my head. Like the crown's going to sit there. It's up to you to come knock it off. Yeah. And uh, with that, I think we've kind of covered everything. Uh, There's one game remaining until the all-star break. Uh, Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon are both questionable. Uh, I believe Zeke Naji has been ruled out uh, for the game against the Mavericks tomorrow. But uh, outside of that, uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find uh, my stuff over at Nuglove. You can find uh, Gage's stuff over at Denver Stiffs. Uh, And uh, both of us, you can find our stuff on Twitter as well. Uh, Gage is uh, G Bridgeford NFL. I'm Ashley the NBA. Those will both be linked in the episode notes. Uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit